0: The Bible Study Podcast, episode 707. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the book of 1 Corinthians with chapter 9. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. You may recall that in last week's episode, where we talked about meat sacrifice to idols and what that means for us, there was a part of the conversation that had to do with rights. What do you feel is your right and versus what is your responsibility, especially to fellow believers? Paul tackles these sort of questions in a more personal fashion this chapter. Paul's rights as an apostle. Chapter nine. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me. Don't we have the same right to food and drink? Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Cephas? Or is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right to not work for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? Do I say this merely on human authority? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while he is treading out the grain. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us, because whoever plows and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we all have it the more? But we do not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple, and that those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. But I have not used any of these rights. Am I not writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me? For I would rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge. And so, not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel okay there's a lot of things in there, and it 's about oxen, but it 's not really about oxen and it 's about preaching and it 's about supporting preachers and Before we get started with this, I want to say that this is not like it might be if you heard a sermon and Sunday morning a stewardship sermon. This is not me trying to drum up financial support for the Bible study podcast, and we 'll get into that in a little bit, but let 's say that right up front. So, Paul is talking about his rights as an apostle. So, first of all, we've talked about what an apostle means, but let's go back to that, just in case you're coming in the middle of this conversation. An apostle, literally apostolos in the Greek, is someone who is sent. Specifically, someone who is sent by God, or really more practically, someone who is sent by the church and sent off as a missionary, typically is what we would call them today. But an apostle also has some authority. Paul helped found this church that he is writing to and helped bring many of the people that he is writing to, to faith in Jesus. And so he says, even though I may not be an apostle to others, I am to you. I brought the news of Jesus to you. So he says, you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. So he's saying that because you believe that establishes that I'm really an apostle, okay? So far, so good. But apparently, there's been some controversy about Paul where all of the other disciples, including the Lord's brother, that would be James, the author of the book of James, James the Elder, not the elder to Jesus, but that is his title uh, in the early church, and Cephas, who is Peter, all of them apparently have been traveling with their wives, Paul and Barnabas are not married. Paul and Barnabas are bachelors. And so that's one of the things that he says it's different between him. Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us like the other apostles do? Well, he doesn't have one, but he's saying he has that right. And apparently the other apostles are not, and I'm going to say this carefully, are not working for a living according to Paul. And that's the words that he uses is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right not to work for a living? So what he's saying is, as an apostle, the work that an apostle does is being an apostle as a rule, that he has the right to be supported for this important work that he is doing, supported by the church that sends him originally and then eventually supported by the church that he established here. Because preaching the gospel is an important work. And so it's the same reason why most of us, when we go to church, we go to a church where the pastor or the priest, depending on what denomination you're in, is paid for by the people in the congregation or paid for by a larger church body if this is getting started. Because it's important work and that person or the people who work there have the right to be paid for their work. Okay? To not do that means to undervalue that work. You know, who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard doesn't eat the grapes? He's making this this argument that we pay people for what they're worth and isn't this also worth something? And then he goes back to the Law of Moses and the Law of Moses talks about how you should treat your animals. And it says don't muzzle the ox while he's treading out the grain. So he's talking about a threshing floor here, and for those of you who have not threshed wheat, and I have not threshed wheat, but I know how it works, you basically at that time would put the grain on a hard surface, and then usually an animal would either drag something along, in the Roman times it would be a tribulum, Uh, which is a heavy threshing sledge. Or before that, it would be you've got the ox who is literally just stamping on this grain to break open the kernel so you can get to the part that's edible. And the Old Testament law says, well, if it's doing all that work, don't give it a hard time. (laughs) Don't beat it if it's eating some of that grain because it's appropriate that it receives some of the reward from the work that it is doing. And he's saying, well, was God writing that about oxen? It's like, well, maybe yes, but really there's a larger lesson in that. And the larger lesson he's taking for here is that those who are taking part in the work have a right to be supported for it. So he's talking here about his rights as an apostle, that he as an apostle has the right to be supported for the work that he is doing by the church. But remember, the last chapter, we talked about just because you have the right doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. And so Paul says, yeah, I have this right. But Paul doesn't rely on the people of the church to support him. He is what we call today, a tent maker. And we call it that way because Paul himself was literally a tent maker, a maker of tents. And that's how he supported himself. So in the same fashion, I'm not asking people to give money for the Bible study podcast because I am a software engineer, a, you know, that is my tent making. I make my living from something else that gives me the ability to do something like this. Paul did more than I do in terms of, you know, the number of hours he spent in a week raising up the church, I'm sure was greater. So he's saying, I don't use that right. It doesn't mean I don't have it, but I don't use it. The priests in the temple, they get their food from the temple. I don't do that. And he says he hasn't used any of these, and he's not bringing this up because he wants them to start paying him, because he says he would deprive me of this boast, this boast that i you have not supported me. Now, for me, it's not so much a boast, it's a way of keeping my priorities clear. It's a way of keeping my motivations obvious. If I start asking for money, then it's easy either for you or for me to think that it's about the money, and I don't want that. He said, I have the right to have you support me, but I'm not doing that because I'm compelled to preach. He says, I've got to preach. I'd be preaching anyway, and I like being able to say that you did not support me that I did not ask for support because he's preaching for a different reason. He's not preaching because he finds it's the best way of making money. He actually finds tent making is a better way to make money. I'm not podcasting because I find it's the best way to make money, whether I'm podcasting about travel as my other show is or whether I'm podcasting about the Bible. I don't do it because it's the best way to make money. I do it because I have to do it. I do it because I'm compelled. He may have the right to be supported, but he is not using that right. And he's doing it for him and for them, for those benefits. He has this freedom. And he goes on, he says, Paul's use of his freedom. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Paul is interesting. He is a Jew who is raised as a Jew, who follows the Jewish laws still, the Jewish dietary laws and all those sorts of things, but he doesn't preach that everybody should because he understands that Christianity in a sense has trumped that, that I don't need to do all of that these days, but he still does it because it gives him the ability to still speak in the synagogues when he goes to a new town, and it gives him the ability to relate to people. It gives him the ability to go to the temple when he goes to Jerusalem as a believing, practicing Jew as well as a Christian. He doesn't have to be. He is because he is trying to win as many as possible. But at the same time, he preaches to the Gentiles, and that is predominantly what his ministry is. And so he doesn't follow all the Jewish laws in since sense that he'll eat with Gentiles. And, and so he's he's kind of walking this line, not trying to be false, but trying to put himself in a situation that he might save as many as possible. He is giving up his freedom, for instance, to eat a good, you know, a bacon cheeseburger or something like that, which he won't do because he's still following the dietary laws, not because he believes it's wrong. Or last time we said he might give up eating meat entirely if it's going to cause people problems, not because he thinks it's wrong, but because his goal is that he might save some, that his goal is the gospel. So he's taking his freedom and he's saying, I might have rights, I might have freedom, but I will give them up for you. I will give them up because there is something more important. The need for self-discipline. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So he takes all that, he's talked about his freedom and his rights that he is not relying on, and he's saying that self-discipline, the ability to say, I can do that, but I shouldn't do that, the ability to say, I don't want to do that, but I will do that, is very important and he uses this analogy of a runner or a boxer. You know, obviously we've we've all seen that sequence in Rocky where Rocky goes into this training so he can fight this big fight. If Rocky didn't go into all that training, if he didn't run the steps of the museum in in Philadelphia where you'll now find the Rocky statue, if he didn't, you know, eat the raw eggs in the morning or whatever, that movie would end very short because he'd go into the rings and he'd get clobbered right? Because he wasn't prepared. And Paul is saying there is benefit in self-discipline. There's benefit in doing the right thing over the thing you feel like doing at any given time. There's benefit in doing the right thing that lasts longer. And that, that is true for all of us. That is true for people who are Christian and people who are not Christian. There's benefit to take the time to study so that you pass the test. There's benefit to putting your body in shape by doing the exercise. There's benefit in self-discipline. And he's saying for him, there's spiritual benefit in spiritual self-disciplines of not always doing the thing he wants, but doing the thing that is right and doing the thing that benefits others. And with that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have a question, send an email to host at the dot com or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at the dot com and thanks so much for listening. I promise it won't require hiking a mountain, but you just might develop the faith to move one. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.